Good morning, Lake Church. How's everybody doing? I've got my marker board, so I'm going to get right on it. Um, so we're finishing up some loose ends that we have on the craft. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Um, from what I'm getting, uh, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. But uh, uh, understand this, that I'm equipping you to operate in the end times. And to understand that we are not, you know, when it came to the late 50s and the early 60s, the church, see, I got some good music going on there. <laughs> they listened to hip hop back there instead of me. Um, anyway, but uh, if we were to track what the church's thought was in the 50s and 60s, and even up until you know, the 90s, um, they believed that America was on track to become a secular nation. Our secularism was going to be the primary enemy of the faith, okay, or the secularist idea would be the major opposition to the gospel. That has changed. That has totally changed. And now we're in a religious pluralism so that means that people are getting far more religious these days. And uh, they're getting into ritual. They're getting into technique. They're getting into all kinds of different things. Your neighbors, the people that you work with, your own family members, have beliefs that are steeped in this religious pluralism to where everybody has a religion. Everybody has a belief system that they function in. And uh, they add Jesus to it. That's the amazing thing about it is that they kind of add Jesus as a spice, you know, as some kind of little, like Mrs. Dash, you know, a little Mr. Jesus on, you know, your fish and, and make it in there. But, but the, the deal is, is that Jesus is never an additive. He's always the substance of everything. And uh, unless he is the center, you are operating in false doctrine. No matter what it looks like, if Jesus is not the central reason for what you believe and how you operate, the Word is not primary. Come on. Um, you know, it, you're, you're, you're functioning in false doctrine, and it can look like the real thing. It can look like, it can even smell like, it can taste like the real thing, but it's not. It's got just enough poison in it to kill you over a protracted period of time. And uh, so we've got to get an idea where this came from. And a lot of the, um, <clears throat> the material that we've looked at has been Old Testament material. There's a reason for that because God declares the end from the beginning. Amen? And so what happens in the Old Testament is actually what is happening because everything has a rotation or a cycle to it, okay? So um, civilization operates in cycles, seasons. It's the reason why your clock is always round. It's because that's the way the universe runs, and that's the way time runs. There's a linear time, but then there's also a cyclical time. And so <clears throat> we need to understand that. So what I'm endeavoring to do is to get you uh, to kind of open up your ability to see what is going on in our nation, because there's a lot of people with perplexed looks on their faces when it comes to what's happening in the United States of America. There are people that actually believe that America was founded solely as a Christian nation. Any student of history knows that that's not true, knows that there was a Christian influence, but that majority of our founding fathers were deists, and deists have a diff different view of, of God. They believe that God created everything and then backed off entirely. They backed off entirely, and that man is the one that is supposed to take care of everything, okay? Now, there is some truth in that in the sense that God has put man in charge, but they have taken it to the nth degree that God is no longer involved in the operation of the world, and that's not true. 
The church is established to be the primary arm, legs, and body of God in the world, of Jesus Christ in the world. Amen? And so we've got to look at some things. So I want us to look at Genesis chapter 3. And some of this may be overview for you, but, but I believe it'll do you good. You know, there's some things you eat all the time. You know, green beans are good for you. You know, broccoli. <laughs> That's good for you. Put some cheese on it. Amen. It'd be good. So we're going to put some cheese on some stuff. But by no means are these leftovers. <clears throat> by no means are these leftovers. So we got to understand that uh, if, if you were to talk to a, a Jew living in Jesus' day, and you would ask him the question, why is humanity so depraved? Why are they absolutely so depraved? And uh, so a Christian, even some sitting in these seats here this morning, would say, well, it's Genesis 3, the fall of man. The sin nature came in, death came through sin, and that's the reason why we have this depravity. But to a Jew that lived in Jesus' day, they'd say, well, yes, I believe that Genesis 3, the garden, is definitely the start of man's depravity, but they would also point you to the mountain, which we'll get into, and the tower. They would point to three events that added to the uh, depravity of man and made man so astute in operating in the fallen nature. So when we look at uh, Genesis 3, we see that the serpent, we looked at this um, quite extensively, so I'm not going to you know, go over it too much more, but it says the serpent was more crafty. Everybody say crafty. That's where we get the craft. Now the crafty, <clears throat> crafty means cunning, it means deceptive. It means, um, you know, um, shrewd. It means to, um, goodness, to, to just be tricky. And, uh, and so the, um, the serpent was more tricky, more crafty, more cunning. And we shared with you that the word cunning actually is attached to the word cute in the original language. So we can say this, is that this craftiness or this craft isn't just ugly stuff. You know, when we think of witchcraft, we think of witches with big old moles on their nose and stuff like that. Nothing could be further from the truth. That is a psychological operation that gets you to think that anything that's ugly, anything that reviles you is evil. And that is not true at all. In fact, we can go back to this instance in Genesis 3 and prove to you that people can do evil cutely. And that many times evil is beautiful. Oh, we don't like that. We just don't like that because there's something that's built in us from the fall that believes that if it's beautiful, it has substance. If it's beautiful, it has integrity. If it's beautiful, it must have virtue. But Genesis 3 blows that right out of the water. Because the Nakash, listen, if it was just an old nasty snake, you think Eve would be around an old nasty snake? No, the word Nakash means glistening one. He was beautiful. And Satan, if we look at his, uh, at his you know, uh, history, we know that he was created as one of the most beautiful of God's creation. So we're not dealing with someone that has a long tail, that has horns in his head, and looks like something out of Hollywood. We're dealing with a beautiful, fantastic-looking creation. And majority of his, not just his followers, because anybody who is not in Christ is a follower of Satan automatically, but his ministers. Did you know he has ministers? Just as we have the fivefold, and just as the God has ministers, Satan also has ministers. 
And they operate in all kinds of different fields, just like you and I are to operate in all kinds of different fields. Majority of his ministers, you know, just as we just had praise and worship that directed our worship to God, he has worship as well that directs worship towards his ideals and his ways. And just as we celebrated and talked about the nature of God, we talked about the actions of God, we praised God in various things, you know, secularized music has a way of directing praise to the enemy. Amen? And I, I know that's tough to take, but it does. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law permeates all popular cultural music. Okay? Do what you want to do. I was listening to a group, you know, that I've listened to since I was eight years old. And I was watching a documentary on them. And it's funny, as you begin to get schooled on these things, you begin to see <clears throat> these narratives playing out that you didn't see when you were younger. You didn't have the capability to see what was being fed to you. You just couldn't see it at all. You didn't make the correlation that sexually charged lyrics had anything to do with your inability to handle your sexually charged adolescence. You just didn't make the correlation. You didn't connect the dots. Come on, am I the only one that... You just didn't connect the dots. You're feeding all this stuff and objectifying women and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden you start having trouble dealing with certain urges and desires, and uh, they're amplified greatly because you're continuously taking in information that, that causes uh, you know, some kind of uh, a reaction uh, in your body, and uh, it causes you to become a slave to these things. And so we see that in, you know, this, this garden experience is that not everything that is beautiful is virtuous. Not everything that is pleasing to the eye is something that we should value. Okay? But that is what this world system is built on. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? So in this, the great lie and deception of the Nakash is you, God didn't say it the way you think he said it. He didn't mean it the way you thought you heard it. You will not die because I'm going to give you knowledge that's going to make you as God. And by you being a God, you won't have to worry about this death that he's talking about. Now, that's a paraphrase of all these little, little things because there's a far greater message in just the few lines that are given to the Nakash. He was presenting an alternative reality, an alternative existence. He was saying, you don't need God as your source. You can live irrespective of him, and you can live empowered by a different power, than the power of God. Now, they didn't know any different. They didn't have anything to compare it to, no contrast. They were alive in the presence of God, probably unaware of His glory and of His magnificence and the grace that was upon their life. So they didn't know. That looked good to them. Be like God. And that's really the ruse and basically the motivation of all humanity is to be God. That is the motivation for all humanity. So we have basically three things that humanity wants to be. They want to be God because we play God games is what we do. Witchcraft is this, me playing God. I am playing God. I'm trying to control my life through means other than dependency on the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm not using that as a means of entrusting my life, I am absolutely going to use any spirit means or any manipulation or any intimidation to try to give me leverage and give me a way to outpace the people that are in my life. Everything. We use education. We use uh, health. We use all kinds of things. Anything that will give us the advantage over our brother and sister, <clears throat> we will look into it. 
We will look into it, okay? So we want to be God. And then the second thing is we want to control our circumstances. We want to control the purpose of things. We want to control the meaning of things. So it's, it's kind of like holidays are fixing to come up, and a lot of the ladies are, are, have got this idea of what the family gathering is supposed to look like. Come on, you know that you do. You have an idea of everybody's going to wear pericomo sweaters and we're going to sit around drinking eggnog and hot cocoa and everybody's going to be delightful. The kids are going to be docile and sitting by the fire and we're going to sing Christmas carols all night until the glory comes down and then everybody enjoys their presence and the and the and the presents aren't noisy and you know and the wrapping paper magically just comes off the floor and gets thrown away there's no man come on you got all these ideas and people do this not just for holidays they do it for marriages they do it for businesses they do it for relationships you get a predetermined idea as to way you want the situation to go and you believe that that's the way it should be. And many people will sacrifice relationships at the altar of these perceptions, these ideas that they have. Well, it, what, how many have ever heard this in divorce court? Well, it wasn't like I thought it would be. Okay, well, you need to put the knife to what you think it should be. That's an altar. That's an idol. And you need to let God begin to fashion and form these things and be dependent on Him. But no, we want to be God. When two people operate as God in a marriage, a marriage ends in divorce because one God wants the worship of the other God. That's, that's just what, if you're going to be a God, you've got to have worshipers. So let's just make our spouse our worshiper. Let's make our kids our worshiper. Let's make everybody our worshiper. And so when you've got two gods that are wanting equally the same thing, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to build a relationship. The thing is, is that we need to retire being God and let God be God and let us worship Him, and then that will help us greatly in our relationship. But when we want our will, our way, my will shall be done. My way are the highway. It's got to be done this way. We can't have it like that. No, we don't do it that way. See, these are all things that show that we want to be our own God and that we also want to control everybody else. We can't even control ourselves. But yet we want control of everything else. We want them to get the meaning. How many mothers are wives frustrated in the holiday season because the kids and the husband didn't get the meaning of why she cooked the meal she cooked? And why? Come on now. I mean, this, does this stuff happen? My mom used to do it all the time. My mom had Christmas. She was the queen of Christmas. She was the queen. And we had three, four trees in the house. Okay? I mean, it was Christmas all day. She would play Christmas music starting at Halloween. That is ungodly. <laughs> Some of you love to. Okay? So we're, we're listening to, you know, and she would, I mean, I'm telling you what. And she would get sweaters for us to wear and uh, pajamas and, you know, I mean, come on now. She'd, she'd deck us out. You know, we'd be all bundled up in big old robes. We only wore one night in 364 days. <clears throat> but she wanted it that way. And it had to be that way. And one, on one time, one occasion, I had a girlfriend and she wanted me to spend Christmas Eve with her family. You would have thought she was Moses coming down with the tablets. She was, she hurled them things down and she laid that law. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? She laid that down and filled me with so much guilt. I couldn't enjoy myself when I went. It's because people 
want to be God and they want to control. And the next thing that humanity wants to do because of the Nakash is they want to create utopia. They want to create a utopia. That's what the governments are doing. That's what the secret governments are doing. That's what the deep state is doing. That's what all of them are doing. They're wanting to create utopia. In fact, I could give you case by case, and I've taught you this stuff before, but the United States of America was actually constructed to become the new Atlantis. It is actually meant to be a place in which Babel could be built. And we all know what Babel is. We're going to talk about it a little bit where everybody comes together, everybody has different belief systems, but we all get along. Has that worked for us? It hasn't worked for us. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. <clears throat> so you have two streams. You have the pilgrims, and you got the Jamestown, occult, secret societies coming in through, and they're merging together. And praise God, God prevailed for a time in our nation to where Christianity was primary and at its core, but now we're seeing it began to digress and go into more of a religious, um, you know, um, morphing of many different religions received in, and everybody should believe. See, have you, how many have ever heard this? Well, my truth, my truth is this. Well, that's your truth. Well, guess what? There's only one truth. There's only one truth. There only can be one truth. You know, my truth isn't Baha'i and in your truth, you know, being a Hindu, or my truth is Islam and, and, and your truth is, you know, something else. I mean, there's only one truth. But now America has kind of had the burden placed upon it to take in everybody, and there is absolutely no uh, accentuation of, of any of their belief systems. In fact, a lot of the controversy about the open borders that we have had have been that the fact that there is absolutely no acclamation or process of, um, of you know, getting people into the American mindset. They just come in and they just live the way they want and they'll, you know, and that's the reason why you've got Islam, Islamic people wanting Sharia law, you know, in communities that were largely Christian communities. They come in, they take over a certain uh, neighborhood or, or portion of the city, and they say, well, we're going to live by our own laws. It's happened in London. It happened in New York. It's happening all over our nation. You go up to Michigan, you go up to Detroit. I mean, it's a war zone. Why? Because I'm God. I control, and we choose to create our utopias. Now, it's not utopia, but that's what they think is going to happen. Okay? So now, when we talk about the Founding Fathers and their idea of God, their idea of God was the God of nature. Okay? The God of nature. And that's very suspicious, because nowhere is Jesus Christ on any federal document whatsoever. Jesus is not even mentioned. In fact, when you go to our nation's capital, we don't see Jesus at all, nowhere to be found. We see Moses the lawgiver, but he's tied with also Confucius, and he's also tied with Salon, which is the one who gave the Atlantis legend to, um, uh, I can't remember, uh, Socrates or uh, one of the philosophers, okay? So we, we, we've got him bunched in together, and there's just this commingling of all these ideas. The melting pot isn't so much about diversity of color. It's about diversity of belief. And it's creating what this situation will bring us to, which is, which is oneness. Okay, oneness. This is what they want. They call it, the, the, the tech gurus call it the singularity. Okay? So it means this. What does oneness mean? And why is it tied in with Arum? The, the, the beast was more subtle, or Arum, which is the nature of witchcraft, the nature of being tricky, is this, that nature 
humanity and God are all the same. That's where you're getting this. Is that nature, God, and humanity have the same essence. Therefore, I am God. You are God. We are all God. That's where this thing is headed. Now, one of the main vehicles that is being used to bring about this is something that we've changed over the years, but it's now called climate change. Climate change, okay? <clears throat> now, this oneness... This idea that we're all in it together. How many have heard the, the, the actors say that? We're all in this together. Well, you're on a, in a mansion with, you know, I, I'm, we're not in this together. We're, we're, you know, you know. You see, you don't care about me. You don't have any, you see what I'm saying? That's, what, that's, the, I, that's the talk of oneness. We're all in this together, guys. We're all in this pandemic together, Okay. Okay, so now they're taking that oneness and they're, and, and listen, I'm not here to make any debate about vaccines or anything. That's not my, my goal. My goal is to show you the message behind these things. Okay, it's not whether you're vaccinated or not. I don't care. I don't care. All right? All right? I don't care if you got the shot or you don't get the shot. I'm not, that's not in my business. And I shouldn't be the one to tell you whether to do something or not to do something. All right? You pray, seek the face of God, and have your own conviction about where you're at. Okay? All right? So I'm not saying it, but I have to use it because it's a vehicle to promote oneness. It's a vehicle to promote oneness. So, so it's like, well, if you're not vaccinated, you're ostracized. You know, you're, you're, you're not a part. You're not in with the in group here. What is that? That is the language of oneness. Well, the same thing with the green theory. Uh, it's also, if you're green, man, if you're not green, you just stay away from me because I'm a recycler. Hello? It's not about, you know, dirtying up the planet or cleaning up the planet. It's about superiority in ideology that creates this oneness. In fact, this oneness movement that is shown in climate change and also in the vaccine and things of that nature, they actually perceive Christianity as enemy number one in all of their objectives. Any climate change. Some of you celebrate Earth Day. Okay? Earth Day, established in 1970. That is anti-Christian. It is anti-Christian the way they set it up because they don't believe that Christians have the revelation that they have. They, when you celebrate Earth Day, basically, you're celebrating the worship of Gaia. Because in order to feel, to get people to feel empathy towards the Earth, you have to believe it's an entity. If I'm going to care about someone, then I have to believe that it's... it's, it's um, animated and alive just like I am, just like you are. So I'm not seeing it as a rock. Oh, are you, is this too much for you? Okay, I'm not seeing it as a rock. I'm seeing it as a living entity because oneness teaches me that I'm one with what Gaia. Gaia and I are one. We are gods. And the saving of animals. Which, am I against taking care of the environment? Absolutely not. No reasonable believer that studies the Bible would, would try to violate, you know, and destroy what God has created. We wouldn't do that. Come on, can, we, can I hear an amen? 
and the extinction of species. Nobody wants that. I don't want the extinction of, of species. But yet, I am to prefer animal life over human life. That's what's being taught. It's being taught in your schools. And it all came, you shall be as gods, you shall know good and evil, and with the illumination and with the revelation that I give you, you can cheat death. And there's not a generation on planet Earth that doesn't believe they can. Because what is it? Now we're getting into the realm of transhumanism. What did Jesus say? He said, as of the day of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. If you study the days of Noah, if you study it from, uh, you know, the uh, <coughs> Jewish um, history and Jewish mythology, you'll find out that basically the angels that came down, which was what we're going to now, is to the mountain, which why is man so depraved? Well, first off, we get the nature of witchcraft. When we come to the mountain, which is Mount Hermon in Genesis 6, we're getting into the watchers that came down and commingled with humanity. And basically, they were not just commingling with humanity. They were using birds and animals as well. And they were creating chimera and hybrid beings it was the beginning of what is we call the transhumanism movement. Now, the reason why they used humanity and began to mix humanity with animals and technology is because they wanted to take the soul out of man because the whole reason for demons and the whole reason for the kingdom of darkness is to take our dominion by taking and demonizing us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the reason why you're constantly bombarded with all this kind of stimuli and information is to bring you to a state of demonization. And demonization doesn't mean necessarily that you're fully 100% controlled. It just means that you are primarily influenced by the demon spirits. So that means if you want to, you know, if, if the demon wants you to go forth and, and to do something that would be detrimental to society, you will have no resistance built up to it. And that's the reason why, you know, we got teaching over and over again. And then we've got these teachings as well that kind of say, well, I'm one. I am God. So therefore, what I feel and what I perceive is right. So we get into situational ethics. We get into all... <clears throat> are you with me? Yes. Okay. All right. So this is kind of what started. We've got witchcraft beginning to, to be the nature of man. But when we come to the mountain, when we come to the 200 watcher angels that came down to infiltrate society, they actually give humanity the tools to be able to use this new nature that they've gotten on the inside of them. So now they're still spiritual, they're just spiritually dead. What does that mean? They're totally uh, separate from the source of life, but they still operate as spirits, and they know that. They operate in spiritual death. Spiritual death is not ceasing to be a spirit, it just means that you're separated from the source. Are you with me? So that's the reason why you have shaman and uh, you have witch doctors and people that operate in spiritual things and people are so-called spiritual people. Hello. And that's one of the biggest ruses today is, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Well, you know, there's a lot of spirits out there. So what spirit are you tracking with? What spirit are you running with? Because guess what? If it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not the right spirit. Amen? And that's the reason why when you get born again, God fills you with himself. He fills you with himself and makes you a new creation because he wants to have the ability to 
use and, 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 and move through you and bring about his kingdom through your life. Well, Satan has the same objective. He absolutely, but he doesn't have the all-powerful Holy Spirit. He doesn't even have anything in comparison with the Holy Spirit. So we saw the demoniac of Gadara. It took 6,000 demons to be able to get this man to do what he wanted. He didn't do everything that he wanted. It's because the spiritual dark forces are so inferior to the Holy Ghost. Absolutely inferior to the Holy Ghost. Amen? Okay, so we get to the mountain. And let's, so we've got Genesis, Genesis 3. And now we're going to go to Genesis 6. I've got, well, I've got some time. I think I do. All right, okay. Got four hours to go. All right. Okay, so <laughs> Genesis 6. No, I'm not going to keep you four hours. Maybe two, three. But It says in verse number 1, When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, that's what my ESV says, the Nephilim were on the earth. Yours may say giants, and that's exactly what they were. They were giants. Giants were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Okay? So this is only just a few scriptures dealing with a very, very important subject uh, in, you know, the, the history of mankind. So I referred to the book of Enoch, which is an um, extra-biblical and not on the same level as the 66 books that you hold in your hand. However, it does shed light on what happened there. So I'm going to read a few excerpts from this as well. And uh, starting in Enoch 6, it says this, And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the, he of the heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wise from among the children of men and begat us children. And it begins to talk about how Semyaza, which was the leader of this 200 band of watcher angels that came down on Mount Hermon. I'm going to drop down here and it says, And they were all in uh, 200 who descended in the days of Jared, on the summit of Mount Hermon. So the mountain, if you were to refer to anybody that lived in Jesus' day, <coughs> they knew about this mountain. They knew about Mount Hermon. Now, Mount Hermon is very, very important. Mount Hermon is in the northern part of Israel in the region of Bashan. The word Bashan means serpent in the region of the serpent. It is where Pan's cave is. So at the base of Mount Hermon, we have the gateway to hell that Jesus did his, one of his finest messages where he said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. This is where he said that, at the base of Mount Hermon. Now, if you study the text and you study the Gospels, you know that Jesus went up on the top of Mount Hermon with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured on top of that mountain. Now, what was he doing? He was basically righting the wrong that happened when 200 angels went on that mountain, manifested themselves, and then came down and infiltrated human society. Jesus was basically calling to war. He was saying, come get me. Come get me. I'm going to show you that I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to strip you. The power that you put upon humanity is going to be broken. Amen. And that's why he got transfigured on that mountain. It's not the Mount of Transfiguration that the, 
Catholics want you to believe. It's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, he's sitting there on top, transfigured. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. Amen. And he comes down and he meets a demon-possessed boy, casts the demon out of him. And then he says, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And he says this, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's basically giving a validation to the fact that Jesus came not just to write the garden, but to write the mountain. Amen? Now, it, it talks about all kinds of different things, and I don't have time to really get into it, but you can look it up for yourself. But they began to splice beasts and reptiles and fish, and, and they began to, to, to mess with the DNA the human genome, okay? Now that brings us back to this move here uh, into oneness and into transhumanism. Is if, if, if Satan can cause us to not be human, then we cannot be redeemed. Okay? So the, there are many who are saying, and I think there's good evidence that this may be true, that the mark of the beast is actually some alteration to DNA. Okay? That there's some alteration of DNA because the mark of the beast you can't repent of. You cannot repent of it at all. There's, you get the mark of the beast during the time of the trip. Not now. The, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Okay? But... You know, midway through the tribulation, the mark of the beast is going to be instituted. Now, this mark, see, we, we think it's new. We think this stuff is new. There is evidence that this was happening at the tower under Nimrod's rule. See, God declares the end from the beginning. So the ability to buy or sell was dependent if you were in tune with the tower. And what was the tower? The tower was a gateway. A gateway to bring... Anybody remember this? The age of Osiris. Or as the fifth dimension called, the age of Aquarius. Hello? And you know what? We just entered that. Did you know we just entered the age of Aquarius? America was built from the, the, the sin nature that's in every human being, activated by the secrets given by the watchers, and then administrated through a religious system at the tower. See, all the religious systems and all the secret schools come from these three things. If you talk to Masons and things of that nature that are up and high, they're going to tell you that they're looking at the forgotten wisdom of Eden the wisdom that came down from the watchers, and then the spells, incantations, and techniques of Nimrod. And that's what's building our nation. In fact, that's what's building the whole world, okay? All right, so, so look at this here. I tried to read this to you a couple weeks ago. Chapter 8, it says, And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. So Azazel, which was one of these 200 watcher angels, 
when he began to make progeny, you know, through human women, because they didn't see them necessarily as, you know, uh, brick houses that they were attracted to. They saw them as a media like Plato. We're going to make a world. We're going to use humanity, which was a given dominion, and we're going to infiltrate that, and then we're going to bring a, the will of Satan, the will of the fallen, into the world. Okay? So, so they begin to teach these people war. They begin to teach these people how to make weapons. They begin to teach these people to dig the various stones and elements in the earth and use them as a means of barter. So the economic system was instituted by Azazel, okay? And so you go on through these, and it lists several of them, and they began to share knowledge with humanity. The reason why the Mayans could see the stars when they didn't have telescopes is because they were told by the wisdom that came from the mountain. They knew you know, most of the constellations in our solar system without the use of any means of projection or any means of trying, you know, uh, telescopes. Nothing. They knew it because the watchers told them. Are you getting anything out of this? They also taught them about the weather. So your stuff in your almanac and understanding certain things like that was done by a watcher. Jehovah didn't have anything to do with that. How am I supposed to deal with my crops? How am I going to negate whether it's going to be a dry season? Pray. Talk to the Lord. Don't get into the witchcraft. Hello. In fact, you know, marine time sailors will tell you that they can gauge what kind of weather it's going to be by the setting of the sun. See, these were given to by the watchers. And then it goes on and it talks about the stars and the constellations. It talks about, you know, learning astrology. Not just astronomy, but astrology. Astronomy, the study of the stars. Astrology, the meaning behind the stars. Okay? So they taught people this. So the so reason why is, is here we have the nature of witchcraft, but here we begin to see the tools of witchcraft. They're beginning, it's kind of like, okay, you want to play with this? Here's this. You know what you got inside? We're going to release what's inside you. Oh, they do it today. They do it today. All the gurus do it today. We're going to release what's on the inside of you. That's always been there. Well, that's what the watchers came to do. They knew the sin nature was there. They knew that witchcraft was there. Well, we're going to give you the tools now. I'm going to teach you how to read the signs. I'm going to teach you how to read the stars. I'm going to teach you spells and incantations. Because that's what one of them did. He taught them spells and incantations. You don't think that stuff's real? Are you with me? And we're sitting here wondering why we have Podesta emails of spirit cookie. Why do we have government officials that are talking about endinochrome or whatever that is and, and, and all that stuff and, and ritual, uh, uh, satanic ritual abuse running rampant in our nation, uh, human trafficking, kids being sold into sexual slavery, um, um, some of our elite actors and, and actresses going to islands and, and having sex with children. And we're, we're, we're baffled by that. We just think, how could this be in the good old USA? You know, it's baseball and apple pie, man. Well, apparently it's other things. There is not anybody in government that is not interested in the garden, the mountain, and the tower. Amen. They're all, they may tell you that that's an antiquated book. They may tell you that that is not the Word of God, but they're interested in all the technology and all the wisdom that they can get from those three things. In fact, they search the world for it. Yes. Hitler searched for the garden, the mountain, and the tower. Hitler was an occultist. You know, we blame Germany, but, but Hitler was an occultist. 
He was into Hindu religion is actually what it is. The swastika is a Hindu symbol. He believed in, you know, the Shambhala, you know, uh, the Aryan nation, which was a, a, a being that they some equate to a UFO or a extraterrestrial being. But he began to form and fashion his nation after the Aryan concept because he wanted to be a god, he wanted to control, and he wanted to create utopia. Now, I don't know that you can even see what the Biden administration would be able to do because it's so incoherent. I'm, I'm serious, but I can guarantee you it's three things. Be a God, control, and build a utopia. And listen, these guys who got their ideas from LSD smoking dope and listening to psychedelic music. They got their ideas. We're dealing with that generation right now. We're dealing with the, gen the Woodstock generation. That's who we're dealing with right now. Okay? Now you have to understand that there are many that will tell you that, you know, the, the LSD was given freely by the government to create a uh, counterculture, an underground culture to try to uh, offset the, 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 the war rallies and, and, and they actually used hippies as a means. Oh, you don't think they do this stuff? Well, they learned it from these guys. <laughs> MK Ultra. You know, we can talk about all these things that are so-called, you know, MK Ultra. It all got from there. It's basically demonization through trauma. They basically have scientifically found out how to split somebody. Demons have been doing it for years. So human beings have just got, you know, the formula, and they do the formula. It causes split personalities. What it's basically causing is demonization. So we have assassins, people killing people, don't know why they're killing people. It seems like they've got separate personalities. What's happened? Demonization. And it's all done on the government dollar. And I'm not talking about just the United States. I'm talking about all over the world. See, this technology came from the mountain. It came from the watchers. Okay? Now we go to the tower. And this is Genesis 11. The tower was a place in which Nimrod was going to create a culture and a world irrespective of God. I mean, we're going to live our way. We're going to do what we want. And we're going to worship all these other gods. Any god we can take in, we're going to... If they can do something for us, we'll do something for them. And God says, you want these suckers? I'm going to take one man, and I'm going to build a nation with him. And I'm going to bring the true watcher from heaven. And he's going to come down, and he's going to split the mountain. And he's going to dethrone these guys. And he's going to use... And then I'm going to call you all back by my grace. I'm going to call all of you. All you that rejected me, every nation, every tribe, every kindred that rejected me and went to the Tower of Babel. That's the reason why you see ziggurats all over the world. They are towers that are replicants of the Tower of Babel. Whether it's Mesoamerica, whether it's the United States of America, whether it's Africa, whether it's Russia, all over the world. The pyramid and the ziggurat are the two major things that show us that there was a world before the flood that was tried to be reinstituted in the Tower of Babel. God said, I'm not going backwards, I'm going forwards. And he disseminated and cut, cut humanity into pieces just like the 72 conspirators did against Osiris and divided him out. Now in the United States of America, the goal of freedom of religion was not to protect Christians. It was to bring the pieces of Osiris into one place and put him together. 
And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. You getting a hold of this? You all right? You okay? I feel like a weirdo. <laughs> but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you what the Word declares and, and what's going on. And I'm telling you what the Spirit of God is moving in the church because an informed church is a powerful church. A church that understands what's going on and is not surprised can stand and face these adversaries and still win the world for Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Now, did I tell you this? so that you can cower and get a bunker and save food? I didn't tell you this for that. What I told you this for is you, if you're going to play the game, there's not one time that I didn't, when I played basketball or soccer or any sport, that the coach didn't sit down and say, this is what the other team is running. Beware of this. Look for this. He's going to line up this way. Watch him when he veers this way. Look for him when they yell this pattern. Come on. You know, watch that pick and roll. Watch that, you know. That, that, that all it is is just, he, 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 it's out in plain sight. But most, most Christians don't want to look. They don't want to admit that their music might be hurting them. They don't want to. I didn't want to admit it. I still don't want to admit it. I like my rock and roll. But it's hurting me. What I watch is hurting me. The, the people that I listen to, some of them will hurt me because of the information they give. Do you understand? My associations, my habits, my idols. What I put before God. See, <clears throat> there's a thing called, um, it's, it's basically, um, it's called the fifth column. And uh, when, when something's attacked, do you got time for this? Okay. So it was a strategy by a, a commander in Spain that when you attacked a city and most cities were walled at that time you would uh, basically attack the four columned areas but he came up with an idea that came right straight out of the Bible and right straight out of Satan he says you can attack this and attack that and attack that or the north, south, east and west however you want to do it he said, but you'll truly be effective when you attack from within. And that's called the fifth column. That means that, you know, when Jesus, when he was about to face his trial, when he was about to face the darkest time that he ever was going to have, they were coming for him. And he said this, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he does not have anything in me. Amen. So why am I telling you this stuff? Well, it's a game plan, but then you also need to take care of this fifth column. There may be stuff that the enemy is going to use against you in this day and this hour to neutralize your call and neutralize what, what you're supposed to do. And we've got to get rid of it. And thank God we can. Amen. 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 Because I guarantee you the enemy is not going to stop hitting the corners. He's not going to stop. Until we leave this life or we split the sky, the enemy's going to continue to work. But what we can do is I can't stop him from attacking me from the outside. But I can stop him from attacking me on the inside. You understand that? By mind renewal, by consecration, by dedication. See, this was all learned on the mountain. It's all learned from the tower. All witchcraft 
that we see today comes from this tower. It was a stargate meant to bring in the God of nature that the founding fathers talked about. The age of Osiris. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) There it is. Laid out the best way I possibly can. Okay? I know it's a lot to take in. Amen? We need to pray. Amen? We need to pray. Father, we just give you praise and we thank you that we are not people that are in the dark. That light has shined and light is showing where we're headed and what we're doing and that our best days are ahead. Just as you told me, you said once you see it, you can't unsee it. I just thank you, Father God, that we see today. And it will affect our decision-making. It will affect how we conduct our lives. It will affect our evangelism towards others. It will put an urgency in our spirit. And I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to have some people that will be here to pray with you. And if you need to be born again, need to rededicate your life, need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to help you. So they'll be up here right after Mr. Jesse closes us out. Praise the Lord. You guys all right? Amen. You guys blessed by that today? Hallelujah. I'm going to give you the same encouragement that I did first service. Make sure that you go. If you didn't know already, we have a channel on YouTube. Make sure you go and check these out. It's, it's going to take more than one listen right? There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to chew on. Check us out on YouTube if you're watching us online or Facebook. Go to the YouTube, uh, Lake Church Manford, and all these messages, all uh, all of these, you'll be able to watch over and over again. Uh, make sure that you go back and do that. You're going to need to watch this a few times. Take some notes. Take some notes on your notes. Write down those notes. Amen? So, those, that resource is available to you, not just so we can toot our horn and see how many views we, we got, but it's a resource for you. Amen? So make sure that you make yourselves available to that. So let's do some announcements before we go today. First of all, we are doing Pies for Missions. Hallelujah. We are a house that both supports missions uh, around the world, but also sends missionaries from this church. And in order to do so, it does take resources in the form of money. Isn't that right? So in order to do so, we, one of our fundraisers is Pies for Mission. Uh, and so what we're doing is you can pre-order pies that will be here on the Sunday, the 21st, before Thanksgiving. So it's perfect timing for the holidays, but you can order those pies both first and foremost to raise money for missions, but also so you can eat delicious pie. Amen. That's, I'm a fan of that, both of those things. So you can order these pies over here in guest services. So as you're leaving the auditorium to the right over there, you can order there. They're $25 a piece. And so you can order today. They have the following flavors available. Apple, cherry, peach, caramel, lemon meringue, chocolate, coconut, pumpkin, and pecan. So just nothing but pure deliciousness. Make sure that you order those. Amen. So next, ladies. We are, I can't, see, first service, I said we. I won't be there. You guys are having ladies' retreat. Um, tremendous time of just hanging out, having some girls' time. But there's ministry specifically designed to minister to you as women uh, to fulfill your role as the grace portion of God's dual nature in the earth, grace and truth. Men are truth. Women are grace. You guys know that? So, no? All right. So anyway, you'll find out more. Amen. So that's designed for you guys. Uh, that will be November 12th and 13th. It is at Lake Camp, and so you guys will be staying in the bunkhouses there. If you would like to sign up for that, you can sign up. There is a Facebook event. You can sign up that way. If you're watching us online, you can go to lake-church.com forward slash events and sign up that way. The cost is $25, and so make sure that you sign up 
and uh, uh, be a part of that. I know that you'd be blessed by it. I may have already mentioned this, but in case I didn't, uh, since you'll be in the bunkhouses, you'll need to bring your own bedding, sleeping bags, blankets, footy pajamas, whatever you guys like to wear. So make sure that you do that. All right. So last and not but not least, we want to make sure that you guys are aware that Pastor has his book Train is available. We have copies in the bookstore now. You can also order online Amazon and get your physical copy and or one for your Kindle or tablet or however you like to read that electronically on the plane or whatever. So exciting. We have Pastor's newest book, Hallelujah. Secret World is available now on Amazon. We don't have physical copies yet, but you can order those on Amazon uh, and read it that way. I highly recommend that you pick that up and, uh, and make that a part of your supplemental reading and study so that you can put to practice what you've been hearing on Sunday and Wednesday. Isn't that right? Amen. So, uh, again, I want to repeat and remind you guys that we will have ministers up front to pray with you. If you have any need at all, we are eager to stand in agreement with you and pray the prayer of faith with you. Amen. So with that, you guys are dismissed. Be blessed.